Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And I'm sitting here and I'm in a very familiar position, right? Because I'm covering a team once again that's 0-2 for the fourth straight year, right? This is the seventh time in eight years that the Giants have started 0-2. Really just spectacular because when you start 0-2, your chances of making the playoffs are so slim, right? And, and the only teams that ever do overcome that are usually pretty good teams that just get off to a slow start. We knew coming into the season this wasn't a great Giants team. They, they weren't great. They were bad last year. They were bad the year before. They were bad the year before that. So this isn't a team that's all of a sudden going to be like, yeah, we, we're going to turn it on like the 07 Giants. You know, th- th- that's not where they're at. If it's cool to cover an 0-2 team, they call me James Dean, right? Because this is my life. This is your life as a Giants fan. You're going to watch an 0-2 team, and the likelihood is we're going to be in a point again this year where the Giants, especially without Saquon Barkley, who's now out for the season with a knee injury, that he sustained in a 17-13 loss to the Bears the other day. The reality is, come November, Thanksgiving time, December, the Giants won't have any meaningful games. You'll just be looking for them to try and make a little bit of progress here or there and, you know, say, please, come on. I, I just hope this organization is still trending in the right direction. Now, I am going to be optimistic for you here because I do still think this team is headed in the right direction in the midst of a rebuild, right? I've been saying this is year one and a half of the rebuild. And what we need, though, is a little – what you need, what the Giants need, it's to think that they're headed in the right direction for real, for real, is the growth of Daniel Jones. It's going to be a little bit harder because Saquon Barkley is now out for the year. The Giants signed Devonta Freeman. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, they lost Sterling Shepard. He's now on IR with turf toe, so he'll have to miss a minimum of three games. So life is going to be a little bit more difficult now for Daniel Jones. There's no way around that. That's the way it's going to be. And we'll talk to Chris Canty about that and a lot of big picture things and really what's going on with the Giants defense in specific. And that that's a positive. They're clearly much better than they were last year. Talent and efficiency and production. So we'll get, we'll get to that in a bit. Chris Canty will, will join us. Uh, but in the meantime, after every game, we do the, the good, the bad, and the WTF. So the bad, we could obviously start with Saquon. That's just a bad break. He's running, and there's nothing he could do about it. His knee just gives out. Now the Giants are without their top offensive playmaker, and that's the problem here because they're without him, and they lose Sterling Shepard. So now you say, okay, Daniel Jones in the offense, they still have some weapons. I mean, Slayton is a good weapon. Uh, Evan Ingram, you hope, is a good weapon, but it was, he's off to a pretty slow start, although he played better in Chicago. And then what? Golden Tate, decent receiver, not exactly. But where are these explosive plays going to come, right? He, Golden Tate's not exactly the most explosive big play guy. The Yak King, he, he self-proclaimed Yak King, although he's proven that that's what he is because he – leads the league in yards after catch for a substantial period of time. So I'm, I'm good with that. But let's get back on track here. Okay. Where are the explosive plays going to come from now? Which life makes life a little bit more difficult for Daniel Jones, right? He has Darius Slayton who 
did great things, really good things in his rookie year. I shouldn't say great. Really good. Had a great opener. And now week two, got a rough one, right? Drop pass and uh, then really didn't do much throughout the game. But it's fine. He's their big play receiver now, okay? They need Evan Ingram to produce some explosive plays. Otherwise, this team's going to have trouble. You know, they'll be able to move the ball here or there, but, like, it's hard to score points if you're not producing explosive plays in today's NFL. So the Giants are going to have to find plays and players to help Daniel Jones and be able to produce these explosive plays. And most coaches describe explosive plays as plays that go for 20-plus yards. So where are they? Evan Ingram has won this year. I believe Darius Slayton has won on the touchdown grab. Does he have another? Maybe if he does, he's one other. But I think he's at one also. So the Giants, without Saquon, who granted didn't have a ton of explosive plays yet, he was just starting to run the ball better in that game. He did have an explosive play in the opener even in the past game. But he's just he's a big play waiting to happen. Now, they got to find something. Now, the Giants were awful in that first half. Awful, awful, awful. Could anything else go wrong? I mean, Saquon goes down. Shepard goes down. Uh, Jones has two more turnovers. That's four in two games. That's insufficient. Now, one granted was more Evan Ingram's fault. He slipped and fell down on him. And the ball was intercepted. The other one, though, and I watched the film of this. This is the one that's infuriating. The the, the clock in Daniel Jones' head, and a bunch of it happened on a couple sacks, too, is just not right. If it's not there, you got to feel it. Get out of there. Go. Start running. Try and make a play. Escape the pocket. He's athletic. He's got to use it more. The sack fumble, he gets sacked by Robert Quinn. It's it's, uh, recovered by... Khalil Mack, that's a play. He's looking at Sterling Shepard running a slant. Shepard has separation. It just seemed he was looking at him from watching the the coach's tape. I just don't know why he didn't make that throw, why he didn't pull the trigger on that throw. And it turns into a fumble. Like, the Giants can't afford these plays. They're not good enough. So, next thing you know, they give up 10 third downs, actually four, with the last one being for a touchdown, on the opening drive. Right, so they're down seven nothing. He fumbles. They make a stop, but they're still they're down ten nothing before you blinked. They're down seventeen nothing at halftime. Everything went wrong. They missed a field goal, even though it was a real long one late in the half. Nothing went right in the first half. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And Daniel Jones, I'm kind of surprised. I went to look up his QBR because so I was like, oh, you know, he seems to be making plays and doing all right aside from uh, the turnovers. And I guess the turnovers factors into this, but his QBR is fifty point four. 24th out of the 32 quarterbacks. So maybe we're just not looking at it from the right perspective. Maybe we're just misinterpreting it. He's not playing at a high quarterback level, even with the fumbles. I don't know. I see him making plays with my eyes, though. I say to myself, if he just got rid of those fumbles, those turnovers, it's not just fumbles, it's interceptions right now, too. But yeah, just cut down on the turnovers in general. But Daniel Jones, we're going to need to see that progress. And by that progress, we mean playing well, which he has at times this year, and doing it without the turnovers. Can't have two a game. Team is not good enough to overcome it. That's why, partly why they're 0-2. Not certainly not the only reason. I mentioned before another part of the bad. Darius Slayton had a rough game. Rookie Andrew Thomas, going back in the film, he also had a rough game. Granted, tough matchup, uh, Cleo Mack and Robert Quinn on the other side of the ball for the Chicago Bears. 
so they gave him fits. Andrew Thomas, not a great game for him. Let's see how he grows. I mean, we're, I, there's certainly no reason to sound the alarm. He's a rookie, and as I've mentioned a hundred times, as a rookie playing at left tackle, if you're average, that's a good rookie season. So uh, he's going to have his ups and downs. The Giants are going to have to deal with it. Uh, we'll get into the good here while we're talking about the, the you know Andrew Thomas. Cam Fleming played much better on the right side. So did the interior of the offensive line in the second half. I kind of liked what I saw there. They started to get their act together. You hope that that was like beginning of something. They could start doing that more going forward. You love the fight that the Giants showed. They could have easily crumbled. And I'm not about I'm not somebody who sits here and gives you moral victories very often. Right? I'm I'm not a big moral victory believer in moral victories. But where this team is right now, they were down 17-0. Would I have been further down on them if they had just thrown in the towel, which they easily could have and tanked, which I thought they would in that second half? Yes, absolutely. We'd be we would be crushing them. But what they did come back, they did give themselves a win a chance to win on the final play of the game. That's saying something. Joe Judge got his guys to come out at halftime. They made adjustments. They played better, and they almost won the game. I'm not going to pat them on the back completely and say, great job, but I'm also going to say, hey, this does say something about this team. Without Shepard, without Barkley, they didn't just say, oh, this game is over. Might as well go home. When's that flight to Chicago? Oh, yeah. Let me get let me get my mask, put it on here on the sideline, put my kick my feet up. No. They actually played hard. They shut down Mitch Trubisky. They waited for his mistake. He obviously gave it to him. He's not a very good quarterback in this league. They made him look like it in the first half, though. And the Giants defense played played well in the second half. The offense got going a little bit. Jones played better. No more turnovers. They need more of that. Now, Deion Lewis filled in admirably. Devonta Freeman is now added to the mix. Wayne Gallman, who wasn't active in that game, which I said I believe says something about what the Giants coaches think about him. He had a rough summer, says about Wayne Gallman. And I didn't think he was great in the opener as a blocker. He missed a block or two. And he only played a handful of snaps. Might even play three. Uh, so the Giants coach, he's got to earn that trust from this Giants coaching staff. Because I honestly think he, even with Devonta Freeman there, Deion Lewis, their best natural ball carrier to me is Wayne Gallman, right? Like Wayne Gallman, I think, should be their Sony Michelle. Deion Lewis should be their James White. And then Devonta Freeman could spell them both a little bit here and there. That's how I think it should be. Now, I'm not sure that's how it's going to be. I think Deion Lewis is going to carry the heaviest workload, especially early here while Devonta Freeman gets caught up. Remember, he hasn't been in camp. He doesn't know the Giants' playbook. Now, running back, you just tell him, go run, you know, go run right. You know, we're running uh, we're running outside zone to the left. Okay, get outside. Or this is the hole you're supposed to hit. You're supposed to hit the, the A-gap on this, on this running play. Go in there. Uh, you're supposed to, you know, uh, go out, uh, you know, run in the flat or run a stick route or whatever it is. Okay, we're running option route across the middle, whatever. And, and and they could catch him up pretty quick where he could do have some media contributions. But I think Deion Lewis is still likely to shoulder that biggest workload. He'll be the passing down back. They trust him most as a blocker. He could catch the ball, and they'll throw him in on some of the running downs. I think he could run it. Goal line, we even saw it throughout the summer. Deion Lewis was in there in goal line situations. So 
I don't see any reason why you're not going to see that now. So that's my guess, best guess, guesstimate, I would say, and how that backfield is going to kind of shake out. Now let's go to the defense for a little bit. You like what you see from James Bradbury. Six passes defended, tops in the league. He's playing well. Blake Martinez, same thing. Tackling machine, he's playing well. You At least the Giants are adding good players. Kyler Fackrell. You know, these aren't great players. They're not difference-making players, but they're solid quality NFL starting players, in the, and and they are instantly make the Giants' defense better. What I did notice about the Giants' defense, and I think you're going to see this going forward, their base defense is basically going to be their nickel package. With Logan Ryan as the slot cornerback, he kind of took that spot from uh, Darnay Holmes, okay, who's going to be, sort of be the next cornerback in. Uh, the fourth cornerback because that second cornerback spot is still a big problem with Corey Ballantyne and Isaac Yadam. But so Logan Ryan's gonna be in the slot. Uh there'll be one inside linebacker and Jabril Peppers will basically either be a third safety or uh another linebacker, depending on what the Giants are facing on the other side. And you saw that a lot. First play, you saw that from the Giants. Nickel package. So it gets Logan Ryan on the field. Uh, which you would like because he's another quality NFL player. He stripped a, pat, a ball. I believe it was in the third quarter. The Giants were unlucky not to get it. That was a quality play for him. For like, hustled, got back. I mean, he's a, he's a good player in the NFL. Has been throughout his career. The Giants need guys like that on the field. So they found a way to get Logan Ryan in there. And their defense is fourth in the league in defense right now, which I know it's early and it's two games and it's not a huge deal. But they're better than they were last year when they were god-awful from day one. Cowboys members shredded them, tore them apart, did whatever they wanted. They could have scored way more than that. I forget the final score was. Could have scored into the 40s if they wanted to. But this Giants defense is better. So that's a positive. Now let's go to the WTF, okay? Saquon Barkley. None of this is his own doing or has to do with him. Or is an indictment on him, okay? But it's this is one of those where you want to take your hair and you, you put your two hands on your head, you take your hair and you just pull, right? The WTF, Saquon Barkley's out for the year. This is a killer for the Giants because they've just spent the past eight months building their offense around this guy. He was going to be a huge factor. Even in a game where he ran the ball for 0.4 yards per carry, he had 20-plus touches. He was going to get the ball 20 times in pretty much every single game, at least 20 to 25 touches. He was their best player, their most explosive player. You know what his final line is going to be for 2020? And this just really, you know, goes along with the year 2020 in general and what a craptastic year it's been. 19 carries, 34 yards, zero touchdowns for Saquon Barkley. That's his 2020 season. That is just indescribable, right, if you're a Giants fan or the Giants. That is your the last thing you would have thought would have happened this year. Heck, I picked him to go for over 2,000 yards. In retrospect, boy, was I wrong. Talk about talk about missing on that bold prediction. Jeez. And so let's look at the Sa- Saquon Barkley stat line now for three years. Okay, this is why taking a running back is so darn risky. Take a ton of hits. Injuries are more prevalent than most other positions. They get paid on a scale at their their own position, right? You draft Saquon Barkley number two overall. He's automatically a top five paid running back. You take Nick Bosa number two overall. 
you know, he's making, I don't know what the number is off the top of my head. Let's say six to $9 million. He's not even getting it. He's not even in the top 20 at his position on getting paid. He's getting paid less than half of what the top edge rushers make. And he was defensive player of the year. Now Saquon, great player when he's on the field. Transcendent talent, as the Giants said. I get it. But here's the tally. Three years into his career, one Pro Bowl, no All-Pros, 17 of 48 games he's going to have missed. And the Giants have had three disastrous seasons. They had five wins, four wins, and now, what, they're going to be in that range again. So they probably won't get six wins in any of his three seasons on the team. So four, let's say you get, let's say they get five wins, 14 total wins in three years for this Giants team. Obviously, again, not a total indictment on Saquon, more an indictment on the organization, the position they were in, the pick and how the way they approached it and, and trying to give Eli one more shot continues to set this organization back. Now they're going to be stuck with having to pay Saquon and that mess that it's going to be. Let's talk about that with our guests. Let's move on to the next segment. On to the next one. All right, let's bring on the most accomplished member of DCR Heard Every Weekday morning, 9 to 11, 98.7 ESPN New York. Of course, that is the man, Chris Canty, who has the bling to show for his efforts. Chris, welcome to the show. We appreciate you coming on as always. Thanks for having me on, Jordan. And I appreciate that introduction because I am the only Super Bowl champion that's on DCR. That's true. I mean, you know, you, you you could also you know go a little further, right? The, the only Super Bowl champion on the uh, on the airwaves on that station. Uh, uh, the only Super Bowl champion on the airwaves in New York sports talk. If that, that's what I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I heard you. I heard you the other day. You and you and Bart Scott. You were making that very clear to him. Yeah, Bart Scott likes to talk a whole <laughs> lot, but if him and Rex Ryan had done less talking and focused on playing, maybe they could have came away with some hard work oh. in 2010. I Just like saying. it. I so like those it. Guys were, those guys were all show and no go. What do they have to show for their tenure in New York? That's yeah, true. That's true. Championship, two cha- AFC championship games. When, when you're the Jets, that's, you know, if you, when you're competing with the Lions for – we're, you know, which is the worst franchise, you know, that, that's what they got. But anyway, let's turn to, you know, the, the new era of Giants football, which unfortunately after that, like, 11th season, really, this, this is kind of what we've been subjected to, right? A lot of losses. And, uh, but we're going to put the, the team in the overall picture on, on the side burner for one second. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go straight to Saquon Barkley. Because the big picture thing is now, okay, what do the Giants do? He's a running back. He's going to want to get paid sooner rather than later, even when he comes back. What do you do, Chris? I mean, if you're the Giants, you're the general manager of the Giants, they hire you. How are you going to handle this situation now? Well, I think you have to put the pause button on any contract talks with Saquon Barkley. I mean, I know we saw Christian McCaffrey get paid. We've seen some other running backs in recent years get paid after their third year in the league. But with Saquon, there's so much variance with what he could be coming back off of an ACL reconstruction. Like, you just don't know how that injury will affect the player. Now, now science has become a lot better. Um, you know, the ACL injury is not what it once was in terms of the death knell for a player, especially a skill position player. But that being said, you have to look at it at a case-by-case basis because not all running backs recover with the same amount of explosion. And for Saquon, you know, being a, uh, you know, a, a superior athlete is a huge part 
of his game. So you just wonder whether or not he's ever going to get back to the point where he can be as productive as we saw in his rookie season when he went over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. But, uh, but, in, but in the words of Joe Judge, I wouldn't sleep on Saquon Barkley just knowing the character of the individual. Yeah, I actually had a GM from a different team tell me he said uh, he called. He's like, he said he'll, he'll be okay, Saquon. He, he's, an, he's an Adrian Peterson-like freak. That was the quote that he kind of used. So I, I think that's sort of the feeling with him. But you're right. There is some variance, and depending on who you are and in the individual. So let's say Saquon comes back, right? And he's looking pretty good. Are you still at that point hesitant, though? Because what the GM also told me was, once you tear the first one, the scary part is, especially for running back, there's the possibility of then tearing the other one later on down the line. Well, yeah, that's a possibility. But the New York Jets have a guy named Frank Gore who tore both of his ACLs before he even got in the National Football League. He was a part of my draft class, and the guy's still playing. So, I mean, just <laughs> that's ridiculous, by the way. That's unbelievable that he's part it, of your just, draft It just goes to show you different, different guys um, respond to it in different ways. And but so, are you willing I mean, to bet on that? Are you willing to bet on that? I mean, you, 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 have to, you don't just get to say, okay, we hope Saquon has a career. You have to put significant money down to bet on that, right? Well, I don't, I don't think you have to. Here's the thing. You got the fifth-year option for the player, so I think you, 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 you extend the option to him. I think they have to make that decision in, in uh, this coming offseason. So you give him the fifth-year option. You see how the player responds in year four, and then you go into year five and you make a decision then. But I, I don't think that the general manager for the Giants is in a position where they have to make a decision definitively on a contract extension for Saquon. I just yeah. don't think we're at that juncture. The only – Tricky part of that is if you're Saquon then and you're playing next year, which is year four, and you actually are playing well, you're, you're going to all of a sudden want that contract as soon as possible because you know the downside that this heck can happen to you again. So you got to get that money as quick as possible, no? And from a player perspective? Well, from a player's perspective, you want the security, but I think that actually works in the Giants' favor because if he does come back and he is playing well and you are talking about – an Adrian Peterson-esque season after he came off of his ACL. I think he went over 2,000 yards rushing that year. This is the best season of his career. If you're talking about that kind of season, then it benefits the Giants because Saquon knows how fragile your career is. I mean, this is a player that's looking at his career mortality in his third year. So he understands that, and he recognizes that he might not be in a position to bargain as if he were a player going on the open market with no injury history. So I just – I think that the Giants, you know, they need to take a wait-and-see approach as it, as it comes to Saquon Barkley and his contract. And if you're Saquon, best-case scenario for you is you come back, you play well, and the Giants give you a near-top-of-the-market kind of deal. But you're not talking about a situation where the Giants have to reset the running back market with a record contract. Yeah, this definitely uh, hurts Saquon Barkley. It hurts when he gets paid. and. Probably in the end, the overall amount that he's going to get if he, if he does get to that point. So, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, not, not a great about, situation. No, I mean, at the end of this year, you were probably talking about a deal that eclipsed Christian McCaffrey. So north of $16 yeah. million dollars a year and right around 40 to $50 million in practical guarantees. That, that's what you're talking about. That's what yeah. you would have been talking about. I mean, that's big, that's, that's big money. I don't care who you are. So. Yeah. Let's let's reset, right? We gotta we gotta sort of recalibrate the expectations now for the Giants because no Saquon uh, is a huge blow. No Sterling Shepard for at least three weeks. Clearly, the offense has taken a hit. So the the over under to start the season entering the season was six. 
mm-hmm. right in Vegas. It's pretty much universal. I thought it was a good solid number right there. You probably would have leaned towards the over, I believe, at the beginning, right? Yeah, I would have took I the over. Yeah, okay. I would have took the over on it. So now I'm resetting it. They're already 0-2, and, and now they're without those two players, you know. Yeah. Four, four wins, 4.0, over or under. I'd probably go over four wins. I mean, I, I see the Giants as a five- or six-win team. I mean, if you would have asked me before the season, I would have taken the over on the six. I had them around seven and nine, eight and eight. But that's if everything went right, including Saquon having a banner year behind a rebuilt offensive line. Clearly, that's not going to be the case. And so I have a hard time seeing the Giants get into that seven- or eight-game win total just because that path included being able to steal one of the first couple of games out of the gate which was the Monday night game at home against Pittsburgh where they had a shot. It was a fourth quarter game. And in the game last week against the Bears, who are unsold on Mitch Trubisky, and quite frankly, Trubisky did nothing in the second half of that game against the Giants to make you feel like he's your future franchise quarterback. But you're talking about having a chance to win that game on the last drive. So I think that there are a lot of positive signs that you can look at if you're a Giants fan and feel like the the arrow is pointed in the right direction for this organization. Give me one of those positive signs. Make, make, make me feel better. Make everybody feel better. Give me one of like the – what's the number one thing you look at and say, okay, this is why they're headed in that right direction? Well, Jordan, I, I think the Giants have allowed something like less than 400 yards of total offense against them in two games. Yeah, they're fourth I mean, in total defense right now. Yeah, they're fourth in total defense right now. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. So, they've allowed 653 yards in total offense. So, they're fourth in total defense. I mean, the defense is flying around. Are there some mistakes that you can point to? Absolutely. But you also see some things that you just didn't see last year, like the hustle play that James Bradbury made on Benny Snell in the fourth quarter of that Steelers game. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster jumped on the ball, but you could be talking about a potentially game-changing turnover at that moment. Same with Logan Ryan the other day. Yeah, the one, the one that he had the other day, exactly. The one that James Bradbury tipped and Julian Love intercepted in Chicago or the pick that he had when he's in man coverage on Allen Robinson. All, all of those things are, are things that you can point to and say, man, that's, those are some impact plays that you're getting from your defense. And I honestly didn't expect those early returns from Patrick Graham and his group. I, I looked at the defense and said, this is going to be a work in progress all year long. But if the defense can sustain this level of play, and give your offense some extra possessions and be able to get some field position on sudden change, then you got to feel good about the Giants being able to, to, to be competitive and be in some games throughout the course of this year. So yeah. I'd like to think that, you know, early on, maybe you're going to find yourself on the wrong side of those games. But as the season progresses, as we get into November and December, your young team, after going through that learning curve, will find a way to win those close ball games. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Yeah, the schedule overall, especially early, sucked, but it did work out in, in their favor in this regard. They got Roethlisberger, who hadn't played the year before, so he was a little rusty probably early on. Still a good yep. quarterback. But then they get Trubisky in week two, and now it's possible – they get a backup in Nick Mullins in week three or a hobble Jimmy Garoppolo. So that, that did work in their improvement. So San Francisco, we just brought up their quarterback situation. Giants 0-2. Next three, San Francisco at MetLife Stadium on the road against the Rams. Road obviously is a little different this year. It's not as, you know, as much a disadvantage, I don't think. Yeah. 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 And then on the road against the Cowboys in week five. Where does the first win come, Chris? I would be surprised if it didn't come this weekend. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers to the point now where the, the, the injuries are starting to mount up. I, I, I just I have a hard time feeling like they're not going to be affected. When you didn't have D. Ford, you don't have Richard Sherman, you don't have Nicky Bosa, you lose Solomon Thomas, Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman left the Jets games with injuries, and not to mention Nick Mullins had to finish – the game because Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play in the second half. So those are a lot of injuries to key positions. I just think at some point that's going to affect your team. Uh, and I would be surprised with the way that the Giants have played in the first two games if they weren't competitive and didn't find themselves on the winning side of a game this week. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're clearly more on the optimistic side. I, 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 everyone, I'm sure, appreciates that because it's been, it's been a rough go here the last three-plus years right now for the Giants. Well, well, here's the thing, Jordan. We can't talk about the injuries and Saquon Barkley being out for the rest of the season affecting the Giants and not talk about the injuries that San Francisco no, absolutely. and figure that they won't affect them. I mean, you're talking about losing defensive rookie of the year in Nicky Bosa. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that guy huge, was huge, huge loss. Yeah, that guy was the tone setter for everything that they did on the defensive side. And then you look at the back end and missing the leadership of Richard Sherman. I mean, yeah. up until Sunday, the 49ers had not won a game with Richard Sherman out of the lineup. So, I mean, it, those are some big losses on the defensive side. And we know that that team is led by their defense. I mean, yeah. we'll see whether or not George Kittle plays in this game. But again, uh, I, I think this is just one of those situations with the condition of the turf and all the injuries that happened last week. If you're Kyle Shanahan, are you really in a hurry to put a guy with a sprained MCL back out there on the field, especially after you just paid him a huge contract? I, I don't know if I would. So with the 49ers being so depleted, I think it presents an opportunity for the Giants to get on the board with their first win. Yeah, it almost reminds me that they played a couple of years ago. I believe they, they were both terrible, maybe even winless at the time. 
and, yeah. and they faced off on a Monday night game in San Francisco, like two or and three you got years ago. Vintage Eli Manning, yeah, I remember that game. Yeah. yeah, and and you know who started for the 49ers? It was Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins, yep. That's right. All yep. right, so I heard you today on the air. We're taping this on a Wednesday. You are completely off the Evan Ingram bandwagon. You've had enough, huh? <laughs> Yeah, Jordan, uh, you know, here's the thing. I, I don't like guys that don't, uh, that don't stick their face in the fan. And what I mean by that is guys that are be willing to put themselves in harm's way for the betterment of the team. And Evan Ingram has made it painfully obvious in his four years with the New York Giants that he's just not one of those guys, man. I mean, he's a liability when it comes to the run game, whether he's an inline blocker Absolutely. Or, whether you, or whether you split him out. And then when it comes to being a matchup problem for opposing defenses in the passing game, I mean, the guy hasn't proven to be that consistently. I saw the, the play on the jerk route where he slips and ends up resulting in an interception thrown by Daniel Jones. Yeah. Everybody wants to criticize Daniel Jones for the turnovers, but that's one you got to put on the receiver. You got to keep your footing. So, I mean, I, I, there are a lot of things in Evan Ingram's game that bother me. And quite frankly, I'm tired of waiting on the potential. I'd rather have guys that are going out there and being productive. I mean, Caden Smith is not a flashy athlete, but Caden Smith does a lot of things well. I mean, in in that regard, he reminds me of a guy like Jason Witten that Jason Garrett had in Dallas. He does a lot of things well. Not going to overwhelm you with his athleticism, but he's going to stick his face in there when it comes to being a blocker. He's a football player. He's going to help you set the edge in the run game, and he's going to get out there and he's going to use his body and and be where he's supposed to be in order for his young quarterback to have an outlet. So I I just – I like the things that you see from Caden Smith, and I think he needs to get a lot more opportunities in the Giants passing game. Yeah, he he is at this point because they're going to run a ton of two tight ends, which they did – they have already the first two weeks. I mean, Evan Ingram, 44 of 73 snaps so far already this season. Our routes have been out of the slot already. So he's already basically more than 50% of the time a slot receiver. So, uh, you know, Caden Smith is going to be their inline tight end, I think, uh, as much or maybe more than Evan Ingram by the, by the middle end of the season, if, if not already. So, But here's the thing, Jordan. I think there's more to Caden Smith than just being a run game guy, just being a blocker. I think Caden Smith has some solid ball skills. He's got soft hands. And Daniel Jones has shown that he's comfortable targeting him and throwing him the football. I just think yeah. you need to get him more opportunities. I think there's more there for the New York Giants. Yeah. Well, just because he's in line doesn't mean you can still, it doesn't mean he's just a blocker. It means you, they're, they're going to use him as a receiver out of that spot too. For Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. So, I mean, I, your your co-host Dave Rothenberg, he's devastated, right? Mm-hmm. If I told you this. You, you tell me where it's wrong, right? Well, they're not going to win many games this year. You, we already knocked their win total down, like, probably two, right, but with, the, yeah. with these injuries. Okay. So we're at another bad season. We're at a, you know, five or six win season likely. The likelihood is that's going to make it really hard for Dave Gettleman to return. So is that sunshine at the end of the, at the, end of the tunnel here for, for Giants fans who are demoralized? Okay, at least they're going to move away from Dave Gettleman because – you guys were talking about it, about the Jets, right, and how they're yeah. mismatched with the coach, the GM, and the quarterback. Take a step back and look at the Giants also. Their quarterback was not drafted by this coach. He was drafted by this GM who's not yeah. connected to the coach. Does this at least maybe get them to move on, move on from Gettleman, align everybody and have everybody on the same footing going forward, which is kind of what you want from an organization? 
Yeah, I think it does present that opportunity. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan. I, I don't ever believe that Dave Gettleman was going to be the long-term fix as the general manager. I think that ownership back in 2018 looked at it – well, the end of 2017 looked at it as an opportunity to, uh, to have some transition period, bring in somebody that was familiar with the organization, understood how the Mara and the Tisch family wants to do business, and then being able to hand it off to the next general manager where you could have – a period of, um, you know, of continuity with that individual and your new head coach. Yeah, well, his thing, was, his thing was he wants to be on Cape Cod watching the quarterback he drafted, which ultimately is Daniel Jones, having success, and he's retired on the Cape, and he's watching all these Super Bowls as he's, you know, sipping, sipping his whatever he's, he drinks these days. Yeah, like I said, I thought it was supposed to be more of like a handoff situation, kind of like what we saw – at the end with the Corsi handing it off to Jerry Reese. I thought that's kind of what the Giants envisioned. Um, and so you're right. I don't think that Dave Gettleman is long for this team as their general manager. The question is, what happens after this year? Who do they turn it over to? Is it going to be Kevin Abrams, their cap guy, or is it going to be somebody outside of the organization? That's the part that Chris I would – Pettit's also an option as well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely discount that. He's, he's kind of in charge of personnel right now. Exactly. So I think – I think those are I thought those are options as well. So I think we'll have to see what happens with that. But but um, you know I think that Joe Judge will probably have some say in the matter as well, depending on how well this team competes this year. And we said it; it doesn't necessarily have to be about the overall record. But if you're seeing signs of tangible improvement from the quarterback and from the team overall, then I think there's a lot to like if you're John Mara and Steve Tisch. I mean, the fact that the team has only had seven penalties through two games. I mean, that speaks a lot. That, that tells you that they're ready to play football games. They're disciplined. They're prepared. Now you just like to see them capitalize on some of the breaks in the game that happen. Like for, for me, watching that Monday night football game and watching that muff punting for the Giants, not to be able to punch it in and get seven as a, uh, rather than settling for a field goal, to me that's a huge missed opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, or marching out um, in the second half of that game against the Steelers and having an 18-play drive only to have Daniel Jones throw an ill-advised ball on a 19th play at the goal line that results in a turnover. So th those are things that happen throughout the course of the game that cost you an opportunity to win. But you would expect that a young team would have some of those growing pains. If you can get them to work past that, and typically good coaches in this league do, then you really got something to build off of. And so I'm hoping that in the second half of 2020, we see that from Joe Judge's Giants. All right, let's finish up here. We'll, we'll do we'll do a play a little game. Ready? Let's do it. You, you either have to double down or fold. I'm going to give you a statement about something going on with, with some of these guys on the team, and you tell me if you double down or fold on it, all right? All right, let's do it. Daniel Jones is always going to be a turnover-prone quarterback. I'm folding on that one. I'm folding on that one. And listen, he's got to be better with ball security in the pocket and – it felt like he was more aware of it in the Steelers game than he was in the Bears game. Robert Quinn with that strip sack was a huge play. You can't let things like that happen, even when your offensive line fails you. But I think Daniel Jones does get the turnovers cleaned up. Dexter Lawrence is a, evolves into a Pro Bowl player. I am going to hold on that one as well. I think Dexter Lawrence has the goods. He's got the athleticism. Um, to be able to be a factor in, in pushing the pocket and pass rush. And he is an absolute man when it comes to the run, whether you're asking him to play in the gap or you're asking him to play head up in two gap. I think he can do both of them. So uh, Dexter Lawrence is a man. Uh, think, think 
Snacks Harrison, but a better athlete. Yeah, definitely a better athlete, especially at this point. I mean, he's young and, and he, he removes really well. Well, even for a guy Snacks, who's three hundred fifty pounds. Yeah, but even at Snacks when he was young with the Jets, I'm, I'm talking about he's a better athlete yeah. than Snacks Harrison ever was. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. This Giants defense, fourth in the league overall, uh, is in good shape. Uh, the Giants defense has shown well, but I'm going to fold. I, I just I don't think that this is actually who they are. Remember, you're catching Ben Roethlisberger on a game where he hadn't played in an entire year, uh, and then you play the Chicago Bears offense. That, that really is inept. They, they've got the training wheel still on Mitch Trubisky, and he's in year four. So I, I don't think that this is actually who the Giants defense is uh, in terms of being a top-five unit, but I do think the Giants defense can be opportunistic. And that's the one thing that I'll be keeping my eye on. Already three turnovers on a young season. I think that's something that Patrick Graham can do. He's multiple in his fronts and his coverages. That's going to create opportunities for takeaways. If guys are heads up and they play fundamentally sound, I think we'll see a lot of turnovers from this Giants defense. Ben, but hey. don't break kind of defense. Hey, if, you told, if I told you before the season they were middle of the pack, I'm sure you probably would have been happy with that. So that's a, that's yes. a positive there. Devonta Freeman, 28 years old. Uh, yards per carry has been dipping. He has something left in the tank. Yeah, I'm going to say he has something left in the tank. I mean, you're talking about four of the six years this guy has been in the league having over a thousand yards from scrimmage. And I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily see this as being a year where where he can't accomplish that. I think Devonta Freeman is a good receiver out of the backfield. Uh, I think the Giants can absolutely employ him in that role. Um, but then I think he also gives you a little more juice in the run game in comparison to Wayne Gallman or Deion Lewis. So, yeah, I think Devonta Freeman has something left in the tank. They're going to they're gonna use all three of those guys, so they're, they're going to need a little bit from every, everybody. Jabril Peppers is just the guy, a jag as they call them in, in the football circles. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think he's a guy that can be an impact player on defense as well as special teams. You saw how electric he was in the punt return in that game against the Steelers. Um, I think he's still trying to find himself in terms of his role on defense. How long are we going to wait on that, though? Yeah, I, listen, I get it. I get it. He was mostly a box safety at Michigan, and, you know, it didn't necessarily fit what they were doing in Cleveland. Now you're trying to figure out what will be his role with the Giants. I think having Xavier McKinney being out is really tough on him because I think they would like to play Peppers closer to the line of scrimmage and have, um, have the other safety back in the deep middle of the field, but Peppers is going to have to do a little bit of everything, and that muddies the waters for him. But, but I still think there, there's something there with Jabril Peppers in terms of being, being a factor on that defense. I'm surprised you went that way, but that's why we have you. Lorenzo Carter, what we're seeing so far, the improved play is legit. Yeah, I think it's legit. I think it's a le- It usually takes about three years for defensive linemen and pass rushers to figure it out, and guess what? It's year three. And everything we heard about him in training camp, everything that you saw reporting on their scrimmages, Jordan, is that he was beasting the offensive line. And it looks like that. I mean, he's creating a lot of negative plays. And it doesn't always show up in the way of sacks, but he's creating opportunities for negative plays. And that's what you want from a defensive lineman, to be disruptive. Like you'd wish they had a stat that said, F up the play. Well, Lorenzo (laughs) Carter does that a lot. He Fs up the play for opposing offenses. And as he continues to do that, he's only going to get more confidence, which means he's only going to get better at it. So I, I like what you got in Lorenzo Carter. Yeah, well, we'll put that suggestion into next-gen stats. There we to go. Play. All right, there, we, there go. we go. Chris Canty, ladies and gentlemen, bringing us stuff like 
F up the play stats, okay? <laughs> uh, I appreciate it, Chris. Uh, we'll we'll do it again soon. Hey, there, there's, there'll be a win at some point. We'll, at some point, we'll have you and Dave on together. We'll sing Kumbaya, and we'll talk about a victory. Because you're not gonna, it's been tough, you know, New York sports talk radio these days. No, it's been rough, man. But I will <laughs> say this, Jordan. I believe they're going to win this weekend. I'm picking them for a third straight week. If they disappoint me, <laughs> if, they, if they disappoint me this time, I'm not picking them again until they play Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, it's going to be tough if you don't. If, if it's not, the, if it wasn't last week or this week, week one, I'm with you. We went out on the ledge. We were probably a little bit crazy. We got a little too over exuberant. But last week and this week, they should, they should win one of those two. And they if not, win one yeah. Of these. yeah exactly. I agree. I agree. Thanks a lot, Chris. Appreciate you, as always. No problem, Jordan. No problem. Thanks for having me, bro. All right. We got the goods there from the great Chris Canty. Always dropping knowledge on us. Really knows the game, obviously, inside and out, having played it, and now being in the media on the other side of it does a great job of sharing that with all of us. So appreciate him for coming on. We're going to wrap up this episode. I'm going to do a little quick Jordan on the beat. This is where I tell you what it's like to cover the NFL, the Giants, work for ESPN in general. Tell you a little funny story about uh, about Joe Judge and uh, one of these Zoom meetings that went off recently. And, um, you know, Joe Judge, if, if you've been paying attention and following, uh, expletives, like, you know, they come rather easily to him. I mean, not that I'm one to uh, criticize anybody for that. I mean, I'm generally uh, a very high proportion of expletives uh, especially when you go to other parts of the country, you realize us on the East Coast, us East Coasters, uh, we throw F-bombs out there like it's nothing. And, I, and I'm in that category absolutely, 100%. But Joe Judge, you know, he's strong. I mean, he, he probably could take me in that category, uh, generally speaking. And uh, so we always joke around and we say, you know, when's his first, you know, F-bomb going to be in a press conference? And these days all these press conferences are, are Zoom. So, uh, but, you know, that that mitigates it a little bit because you don't get to push guys and keep asking questions and and you know ask like three or four questions in a row and and then sometimes you know it's they you could see the blood the the smoke start coming from their ears. I mean you saw it with Pat Shermer and Ben McAdoo all the time and Ben McAdoo at one point was so mad he just said um when I asked him uh, what what his uh what he said to the team at halftime and he he just wanted to explode and and yell and curse. And they, these guys have to control it. And it's difficult. Trust me. I can't – sometimes I don't understand how they do it. They get asked stupid questions. And I'm certainly someone that has asked stupid questions before. And I'll do it again. But these guys get asked dumb questions all the time. They're pissed at their players, blah, blah, blah. But uh, Joe Judge let one slip this week. He threw out the F-bomb. So, you know, we used to joke and we said, you know, when's Joe Judge going to throw the first F-bomb? And really it was week one. It was over under week one, but so he hit it in week two. So week two, Joe Judge dropped the F-bomb in his Zoom meeting or press conference. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say that if there was actually live press conferences, it might have happened earlier. So the Zoom might have saved him. He might actually went in the under. Now he actually went the over. We always joke around. We make over-unders and – you know, in the media, we try, to, we try to keep things light on our end, and this was one of our things. We knew it was going to happen. Right, you know it's gonna happen. It happened to Pat Shermer. Uh, I'm not sure if Ben McAdoo ever threw out any expletives publicly, but he did a good job. He just bit his lip and stood there. But uh, most coaches do it at some point. And Joe Judge, congratulations! Week two, 
you nailed it. You're the winner in this one. Uh, I would have guessed under. I would have guessed under. So he held his he held his cool longer than I thought. So give gives Joe Judge some credit on that one uh, for not cursing publicly or in a press conference until week two of his first NFL season. And that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. Uh, as always, share this with your friends. If they're a Giants fan, they need to listen to this, right? This is the podcast for them. You tell them. Make sure you tell them. Share it. Uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Play, uh, you name it. Anywhere where there's podcast, any podcast platform, the ESPN app has it. Everywhere. Come on. Breaking Big Blue. Give it a like. Give me feedback. And as always, send me your questions. I'm going to try and do a Giants after dark, uh, maybe even Sunday night after the game. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, we'll try and do one early next week. I want to answer all your questions. Hopefully, the Giants are not 0-3. Otherwise, they're really going to become irrelevant. With the, and then with the Rams and the Cowboys on deck, it'll be – I mean, it could be a really, really long season if they lose this week with Nick Mullins likely starting for the San Francisco 49ers. My pick on this game is going to be – sorry, 49ers, 22, Giants, 20. 0-3 start to the season. Ouch. Rough. And with that, that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time.